welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 191, part one of the talk given by Amy Cameron. The talk is entitled, The Power of God's Holy Spirit. I have a bit of a habit of speaking very quickly. I don't know whether it's a northeastern thing, so if I'm rambling too fast, just wave at me and I'll try and slow down. It's always difficult to get up when someone's introduced you that way. I feel like there's a tall order to try and keep to. I'll do my best. Um, Just to give you a little bit more detail, I have three teenage daughters. So keep me in your prayers. (laughs) I've got two dogs, one of whom is a dream. The other one likes to humiliate me. Most times we leave the house. Um, And I live with Archie, who is, I'm going to say it because he's here, but I would have said it if he wasn't, an amazing husband, great support. And a lot of my work is about um, diocesan development. How do we keep the faith alive at a time when the culture's really pulling it down? And I have to say, it doesn't matter how many times you sit in a meeting with very important people, nothing really works beyond what we've got going on here. This is where it really happens. It's in these conversations, it's in these times of prayer. It doesn't matter how great your plan is, it's about those relationships. So what I want to think about today with you is how we let the Holy Spirit into those interactions. And I've got behind me, hopefully, a picture of a spiral And that's because I think the Holy Spirit is a mystery. And by mystery, not something that we just pass off and say, oh, we can't know this, but something that we can just keep knowing at greater and greater depths. So I know there are people in this room that should be and could be stood up here talking about the Holy Spirit and the power of it in their lives. There are many people in this room. But I'm hoping that today you can share your wisdom and we can all just go a little bit deeper and learn together. Before I go any further, I wonder if you could just give me an indication, just a wave of your hand, how comfortable you are with this whole conversation about the Holy Spirit. Is it something that excites you? Give us a five. If it's something that you think, I'm really not sure what she's on about, give us a one, somewhere in between. Right, great, good mixture. So there's a good spread in the room. I'll bear that in mind and try not to scare anybody off or bore anybody who thinks I've heard this before. So one of the things I think we need to start by reaffirming is that the Holy Spirit is here right now. Whether we're feeling it or not, it's here. We know that because it's deeply rooted in our tradition and our faith. It says at the very beginning of creation that the Holy Spirit was there, hovering over the waters. We know from the very, very start of our time here on earth that the Holy Spirit is just implicit to us all. And the Holy Spirit was with the prophets, with judges and warriors, giving them extraordinary powers. David speaks that the Spirit of the Lord speaks through me, and his words are upon my tongue. And Ezekiel explained that the Spirit came into me as he spoke, 
and he set me on my feet. He got him moving. Notice the Spirit is giving both words and direction. And he's transforming what's going on. We know that the Spirit gave Gideon power, anointed David, and he came powerfully in charge that day. Moving to the New Testament, I'm just highlighting here how many times this is threaded through the scriptures. It's the key figure at Mary's conception. It's there at Jesus' baptism. It's with Jesus in the temptations of the desert. And it's the last thing that Jesus mentions when he ascends to heaven, telling the disciples, it's always here and it's here to teach you. And we know that it gives the disciples the power to leave their grief-stricken place and get it out into the community and it gives them the words to speak. So in terms of the power of the Spirit, it's absolutely deep-rooted. But what does that really mean? See, I was born into a charismatic parish. Folk masses and tambourines were everywhere. Quite glad to hear one today, it's been a while. And it was really frequent for me to hear people say that the Holy Spirit had prompted them to say something. That people were given words in prayer. And prayer meetings were full of people blessing one another with the Spirit. It was very normal. And it took me probably till going to university to realise this isn't how a lot of the Catholic Church operates and speaks. In fact, the Holy Spirit's quite subtle in terms of the Catholic Church's interpretation and, and preaching on it. But it's led me to have a world view that the Holy Spirit is actually really normal and it's here and we'd need to just tune in. I don't want to talk at you for an hour. I'm going to talk a lot. But I want you to talk to one another because I think there's wisdom on this table and I want to begin a conversation on your tables. First of all, establish how comfortable that person is talking about the Holy Spirit. There were a few people, not sure. But then... How would you know it's the Holy Spirit at work? What, what, what's given you that sense that it's the Holy Spirit? Can you have that conversation just for about five minutes with one another? Whoever's nearby. Okay, if I can call you back. I'm sure there's people being interrupted there, sorry. So hopefully you've managed to share a little bit of where you see the Holy Spirit at work, that it's nudging you, that you've got a sense of the Holy Spirit there. If that's true for you, is it true for everyone? Because we get quite used to, hopefully, tuning in to where the Holy Spirit's at work in ourselves. Hopefully that's part of the Christian journey. I wonder if we've thought much about the people we meet. Now, it was my wrong perception for a long time that particularly charismatic people had the spirit and they had to give it away. <laughs> and that when they came and they prayed with people, they had something that they were passing on. And theologically, that's really not right. Because you can't have it. You can't hold it. The Holy Spirit's already at work. 
And if we believe Genesis, it's implicit in creation, so everybody actually has the Holy Spirit with them. With some people, it's much more obvious than others. That's definitely true. But I think one of the things that we're called to at the minute by the Spirit is to get closer to one another, to see that Holy Spirit at work. To not just tune into it within ourselves, but to tune into it in our neighbours. And that's actually a lot harder, because it's hard enough to tune in for yourself. And there's an awful lot of talk at the minute about isolation and loneliness. And if the church can be anything, it should be an antidote to that. If you look at the model that Jesus gave us, it was about actually getting into relationship and friendship with one another. And friendship is actually the model of which discipleship is carried out. There's a lot of talk of discipleship in the church at the moment. But one of the real movements of the spirit that I see is through the work of Pope Francis and his call for us to accompany one another. And I believe in accompaniment, you're actually doing that very thing of looking for where is the Holy Spirit in that person and can I help them tune into that? Can I help them tune into what the Holy Spirit is already doing? Recently, come back to that, I was part of um, a national project looking at accompaniment because it's become the buzzword in many circles. But we realised that lots of people actually interpret it their own way. So there was a piece of research commissioned to actually go out to Catholics and say, when you are accompanying, what are you doing? What takes place concretely? And that research came up with four ways that accompaniment is being used as a, ter- as a term. The first way was, was people just describing, well, I'm, I'm with people. I'm sitting with them. The second group were describing, I'm there telling people the way. I'm telling people what they should be doing, how they get to heaven, how to live a good life. There was a third group saying, let's go on a pilgrimage together. Let's set off. Let's find the way. We're going to try and work out this path that's got this destination. And then there was a fourth group, much more vague, basically saying, I don't quite know where you're going, what you're going through. I don't quite know where it's all leading. But I'll go with you. We'll walk together and we'll figure it out. Now, there might be many times when they might be the appropriate thing to do. But looking at the rest of Pope Francis's messaging, the group of us that spent a lot of time arguing over this decided that actually we think the closest one to what he's talking about is this adventurous one. That actually it's the spirit that leads and we just have to walk with it. So I wonder where the spirit is leading us. I wonder where the Spirit is leading you today. And can we get on board with the idea that we might accompany one another? So it's asking us to question whether we really believe that the Holy Spirit is there. Don't worry, John. Is the Holy Spirit already there in that person? Is it already prompting them? And if so, our task as friends, as accompaniers, is to enable them to really tune in and listen. It's not to tell them. It's not to give them our opinions on this. I give opinions all the time. It's not necessary. 
It's about actually letting the Holy Spirit grow within them. And I want to share with you a little piece of scripture. I don't know whether you can see that. I might read it anyway. Here we have a compliment in action. Mary and Elizabeth. It says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her room, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. So we've got this beautiful interaction. I often think of this, that they must have been in some kind of Holy Spirit bubble. Because look at the chaos that actually is going on around them. Mary is a very vulnerable young girl with a life at risk for this pregnancy. Elizabeth is trying to navigate a geriatric pregnancy. That's a great term, isn't it? A geriatric <laughs> pregnancy with a husband who's mute. And their first greeting isn't to complain about how horrific everything's been. It's to find the joy. And I love this as an example of a compliment of that friendship, of that being with one another, allowing the spirit to grow. And let's just break it open a little bit. John the Baptist inside Elizabeth recognises Christ inside Mary. And his recognition that the Holy Spirit is in this circumstance causes both Mary and Elizabeth to be filled with the spirit. Elizabeth declares a statement of faith based on that experience and encounter with the Spirit. And I believe this gives us an example of how when we get into listening to the Spirit in one another, the Spirit grows in both of us. Okay. I want to share with you a couple of other examples of where I feel the Holy Spirit's working, but people don't claim it or recognise it. There's a lovely lady called Margaret who was part of my parish. Really smiley, really bubbly. And she used to love to bake. And she would bake biscuits and bring them to church for after mass to have tea and coffee. And I got chatting to her about her biscuits and she sent me the recipe and I asked her about, you know, what she was, what she was kind of, what was inspiring her to do this week after week. And she said that she would bake this mixture and picture the faces of the little children coming up and enjoying the biscuits. And that as she would stir the mix, she would pray for each one of them. And I said to her, that really is a very spiritual thing to do, Margaret. That's very very much inspired by the Holy Spirit. And she completely shook me off, totally embarrassed. Well, I'm not one of those holy ones. I just like to bake and pray. I thought, how often 
People won't claim it. They're not sure. In a very different way, I want to tell you about a colleague of mine called Peter. This was when I worked in a school. He was a guy that I used to work with, and I actually took his job. I didn't know I'd taken his job. I just turned up for an interview, got the job, and found out he'd been demoted, and he was now meant to be my deputy. So you can imagine that was not a comfortable situation for any of us. And Pete was very angry, as you'd expect. He's also quite a theatrical character, so everybody knew when he was upset. He made a quite a big, big show of it. And over time, I often think, particularly with colleagues, God places people that you have to work with and that they're in your life for a reason and that there's something in that about trying to love them. And so I would pray often to try and help Peter and cheer him up, knowing actually that cheering somebody up who's truly miserable isn't what they want. And so after a while of trying to listen to what's the spirit telling me to do in this situation, I realised I needed to just stop and listen. I just needed to understand where he was coming from and give him time. And over the months, he started to open up about how jaded he was, how much he'd given and how little it was being received. And just his sense of passion and justice for the world was just waned and he didn't have it left in him. We did learn to really love and get on with each other and appreciate one another. But it was the spirit at work in me to stop me just trying to fix that situation and to hand it over and surrender that brought about the change. He didn't change. He was still miserable, still a grumpy old thing. But he found some sense of accomplishment in his work. He found some dignity. And when he did retire, he retired with his head held high and quite happy. I'm sharing that with you. Two different situations. Margaret was oozing the Holy Spirit quite naturally and not claiming it. Peter was really a man who had worked his life for the sake of others. The Spirit was working in him, but he had so many defences up that it wasn't that easy to spot. But coming from that perspective that we believe the Spirit is already present, I think it's really important that we hold on despite the opposition that might be in front of us. I want to give you a chance to talk to each other again. I wonder if you could this time share where you might have seen the Holy Spirit really working in someone else rather than the last question, which was more about yourself. Where might you have seen it in someone? Maybe unexpectedly or maybe really obviously. I'm just trying to keep you awake, really. <laughs> have a conversation with the person next to you. Okay, I can call you back again. Sorry, I was a, there was a sigh there. You can talk again in a minute, don't worry.
We've got some subtitles up if that helps. It's been... Um, it goes off... I mean, it's not great with my accent, so there'll be some weird words appear, but you'll, I think it might be better than nothing. Really interesting, for me anyway, um, when I began to think about how I would talk on this issue of the power of the Spirit, I started to think about the tangible times when I can remember the Spirit prompting me in quite, quite significant ways. Um, and I realised for the first time, actually, just this week, that it was always pointing me for with, with a certain sense of direction. Um, and in Ezekiel, he said at the beginning, it gives you the words to speak, but it also gives you the right path. I just wanted to share with you a little bit about the times when I felt the Holy Spirit's kind of really intervened um, in quite a powerful way when there was decisions to be made. In fact, just this last couple of months, I went into a meeting with a group of other people and we'd all decided we weren't going to do this work anymore, this particular project. And during that meeting, something happened. I still can't tell you what it was, but it was the work of the Spirit because we all came out totally at peace, but totally decided we were actually going to do more work. <laughs> and I'd have thought I'm just a mug, and I've been sweet-talked here, but it was the same experience for a number of different people who come with that same opinion. So I think the Holy Spirit really can churn things around and transform situations. I can remember coming across a prayer when I was 13. I'd had quite a spiritual experience that had meant that my, my family faith became my own like, personal faith. And I came across this prayer that I didn't know the title of, didn't know the author of, um, but it was the Thomas Merton prayer. It's probably familiar to many of you. About It seemed to fit where I felt I was at at 13, not really knowing where I was going, not seeing the road ahead, having no idea where it would end. But I was struck by the idea that if I follow faithfully... God will lead me by the right road. And I prayed that a lot through my teens. And I eventually mislaid it. Um, and it felt like it had its season. I don't know whether you relate to that with prayers. But I discovered it again in the Slipper Chapel at Walsingham on the day that I met my husband. It felt like a little affirmation. You're on the path. I'm leading you in trust. At around about 15, I came across a piece of scripture at a prayer meeting that somebody prayed and gave to me. And I really took it to heart. It wasn't something that I connected with intellectually because it was about this pot boiling from the north and spilling out. Didn't really know, but there was something in this scripture that just, just stayed. And it was years later that I found out that at the same time, that piece of scripture being given to a bishop in the diocese to set up a youth team and that youth team was founded on that very piece of scripture. And that's where I went. I had more time with my husband, same husband, um, who would also join the team. Um, and learnt that actually I had a real passion for teaching and for sharing faith. So again, I just felt it was a little nudge along the path. Sometimes it's really obvious. 
again at 17 I was thinking and praying about should I go to Lewards because there's a big pilgrimage going but it was close to my exams I wasn't sure um, and as I was going up the staircase in our very rickety old house a book fell off the bookcase and the title was come to Lewards <laughs> so some really strange bizarre things and as I'm looking back I'm thinking a lot of my life's very holy don't worry there's some balance there's, there's lots of fun going on as well but I feel like actually there's the, been this looking back there's been this constant sense of nudging in the right direction where I live right now the community I'm in the parish I'm in I just feel like the spirit's been ahead of me and prepared the way and I've had to just kind of tune in and go along with that So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximise your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose, and joy. So God bless and stay safe.